hello, hello, hello. It is your beloved handicap and gay person here delivering you the next episode of the Joseph Mengele story. It, previously, if you've stayed on top of the episodes, which is only one, we talked about his, you know, his birth from his teenage years to where he's at currently. But part two, we're going to be starting his Auschwitz journey. So please, if you have liquor, fill it up, grab the cup, sit down, and enjoy this premium episode of Stuff We're Obsessed With. Wow, you got the name right. I'm proud of you. I did. I specifically put it in my head when I was <laughs> saying it. Very proud of you. Very proud of you. Um, so yeah, this is, this is going to be... Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, oh shit, I should have found I was thinking of making a did you know facts about Star Wars for this episode in case uh, one at any point whenever anything was getting too Ooh, intense I actually, have, I actually have a couple of those Well, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, so yeah, if you can find some while I'm reading that will be great because it's gonna get fucking intense <laughs> Yeah, well, I had a couple in my brain because I watch uh, all those on YouTube all day. Okay, so yeah, this was kind of this. I get as Isaiah mentioned, this is gonna be a go grab a drink episode. I would say also go take some big fucking bong rips too because shit's gonna get bad. This is so we don't promote illegal drugs. We just promote legal drugs like alcohol that kill you. So if they sponsor us. That'll be different. Okay. Oh, yeah, they so, sponsor. What? No, no, go ahead. All right. So let us now begin in diving into Joseph Mengele Part 2, The Auschwitz Years, also known as This Shit Fucking Sucks. For mm, anyone that harmony was on point. I know. I, I try. I try. Because, you know, um, just as a as a gentle reminder, um, World War II was fucking terrible. The Nazis were fucking all fucking assholes, and Auschwitz was not the vibe. Oh, and genuinely, uh, out of respect, there will be way less jokes um, about what's going on in this episode. Um, me and Jose are monsters. Well. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see, we'll see. We gotta light it in the mood somehow. Okay, so it begins as this. square chimney built on red bricks tapering towards the summit. I was especially struck by the enormous tongues of flames rising between the lightning rods. I tried to realize what hellish cooking would require such tremendous fire. A faint wind brought the smoke towards me, my nose, then my throat were filled with the nauseating odor of burning flesh and scorched hair. 
Dr. Miklos Nihizli. So, by the time Mengele had arrived at the camp in May of 1943, Auschwitz was populated with almost 140,000 prisoners, and the encampment stretched out for miles. Most Polish people consider the area in which Auschwitz was built to be a remote corner of the country, too inhospitable to live in. The summers were extremely hot, and the winters were hard, and the place would be ravaged by ice storms coming from the Vistula River. Himmler loved the place. He thought it would be perfect place on earth to house the largest extermination center of the Third Reich's genocide program. The commanding officer of the camp was Rudolf Haas, uh, another fucking asshole. Before we dive a little further into the story, I want to talk a bit more about Auschwitz and get a better picture of the place in which we're going to be spending this, this story part of. Uh, this enormous camp was surrounded by barbed wires and was controlled by SS guard dogs. It contained five crematoriums and gas chambers. On clear days, the flames and black smokes could be seen for 30 miles coming out from the giant chimneys that broke the skyline around Auschwitz. According to Commandant House, the biggest number of Jews sent to the gas in a time frame of 24 hours was 9,000. The reason behind this was a delay on the line and five trains arrived instead of the three that were expected. And the carriages were packed more than usual. Even though Haas said that Himmler ordered the destruction of the records, the total number of Jews gassed at Auschwitz is now known to, to be between 1.1 or 1.3 million. Mass extermination was the primary purpose of the camp, but that wasn't its only main function. Auschwitz also functioned as a slave labor camp, providing a pool of workers for German companies that were contributing to the war effort. Some of these companies actually still exist to this day. The strongest were only picked because they could be worked to death. Those who collapsed were sometimes kicked and beaten to make sure they were dead. And I quote, Inmates were worked to death. They were forced to run while unloading heavy cement bags. Weighing more than 100 pounds, drinking water was contaminated, clothing was sparse, and the food was inadequate. Many died of freezing or starvation. The conditions for all forced labors were terrible, but by far the worst conditions of but by far the worst were conditions for the Jews. Unquote. Life for the SS were non-commissioned, uh, who were non-commissioned ranks, the basic everyday guard, who were participating in the gassings, who were uh, rounding up the labor, live in modest comforts. These were also men who chose to voluntarily work at the camp because they did not want it to go to the war. So, because of that, they kept their fucking mouth shut. They knew what was going on in the camps. Most people... um during this time had no fucking clue what was going on there were maybe some ideas like you know they they were aware of the of the ghettos where they were segregating the jews and the poles and all those other people into these specific areas and you know they knew that if they saw them walking on the street they go get shot and shit but they kept their mouth shut but this specific thing it was either completely ignored by just the general uh population of just pure ignorance or you know People just really kept their mouth shut. I would have been, I would have been one of the ones that works in the camp. My self righteous meter is too high inside my body. I mean, 
you wouldn't be able to work in the camp. Your ass will be sent to the gas oh, yeah. chamber. Actually, going with my people. They see you. They like this motherfucker. The, to the wait, what was it to the right? I think it was to the right. I can't remember right now. But you'll be sent to the gas chamber, buddy. That's okay. I'm going with my people. That's fine. And plus, I can't. I can't work like that. If they ask me to carry a bag of something no. quickly, I'm gonna look at them and be like, "Y'all can just beat me." That's just the least that could happen. There were other, um, like I said, there were companies that were renting space in Auschwitz, and some of them involved having people run in a circle for hours on end just to test shoes. Well, that's why they would put me in the chambers because I can't and run shit like that. So yeah, it just depends. No, they wouldn't have accepted that. You can that. put them on your hands and you can use your hands. Or they would actually beat me in my legs while I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to add a uh, side note. We are not making jokes about what happened to any of them. We are making jokes what would happen to us. <laughs> I don't know, Jose. This is a touchy subject. That's like... Uh, I think they get it. I mean... You know, doing a slavery episode. and it, 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 We might be doing something regarding... people. <laughs> yeah, your people. So... Yeah, I just feel really bad because we've had to go over World War Two, and it's not. We haven't even gotten into the bad part yet. We're still, we're still basically in like the intro ish of the story. And you think this yeah. is bad, girl? Girl, let oh, me you... tell you. They referred to when, uh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... they referred to when they had to gas or execute someone as a special action. Any spectral action will carry out extra rations like 10 cigarettes, uh, a day and a half liter of vodka, four, four ounces of German sausages. SS officers like Mengele. They so were, they were or, gay. Yeah. They were, no, dude, there was actually uh, a, like a, let's call it like a human resource center and like a payroll office at Auschwitz where these people were getting paid for what they were doing. It was, you know, there were people in charge of making sure these fuckers get a check. I'd be yeah. fucking with the checks on purpose, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, SS officers like Mengele, their reward were far greater. At times, Auschwitz was sort of an absurd, uh, Dante-esque world. Where there were they, they even had traffic regulations in the camp and red and green traffic lights. Infrastructure brought in, uh, they, they even had like traffic court in Auschwitz. Um, Mengele even had to go into traffic court a month into getting there because he, he accidentally hit a, a truck with his motorcycle. It was just, it was, it, it was a really strange fucking world. Um, so the, the camp also had his own soccer stadium, library, photo lab, theater. They had a theater. They were doing productions and plays. They had a swimming pool. They had an orchestra, a symphony orchestra. Fucking, um, the, com the, the main commander of the camp, Rudolf Haas, had a, a house, a white picket fence house surrounded by walls and like separated it from the main camp. But still, it could still get the smell of all the shit that was happening. But he had slaves. He had uh, Jehovah's Witnesses as his own personal slaves. Most of these, um, super high ranking SS officers who had like houses around the camp had, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses as slaves because they were seen as um, 
less confrontational or less able to retaliate or whatever. So yeah, they had like they were living it up in this fucking in this fucking place. And and the well um one of the most interesting things that I found when I was doing this research is that right below the the sign that says uh work will set you free, which was uh, the main slogan of Auschwitz, which was some fucking bullshit. It was some sort of... At first, it was considered like, oh, if you work your sentence, you'll be set free. And But no, it was, it was bullshit. It was bullshit. So as soon as you walk through those gates, the first thing you saw on the left was a building that was called The Puff. And The Puff was the brothel. They had a brothel inside of Auschwitz, which was used as kind of like a reward system, but mostly as a punishment system because the the SS officers would call out the non-Jewish prisoners who were being rewarded, quote unquote, with being sent to the puff. But the problem is that they only they could only do the missionary precision. They, these people were fucking tired. They were hungry. And they had someone watching over them to make sure that they weren't conspiring or anything with the women in the puff. And the women were also prisoners from the camp. So it's not really a reward. It's more punishment upon punishment. It's just some sick, fucked up fantasy world in which serial killers were just said, hey, here you go. Have fun. Which is another interesting thing about Auschwitz because... If, like I said, we're studying, we're we're learning about Mengele as a serial killer. And serial killers have a bubble created around the world that they make for them to do their shit. You know, like the best killer. What? Like Dahmer. Dahmer had his apartment. Dahmer's apartment was his own sick and twisted world. And once he stepped foot out of his apartment, that world and himself were separated. Same thing we had with Gacy, with his basement. Once he went into that basement, separate entity right there. We had the same thing with the to to toy box killer with his van. You know, each killer has with a, the what killer? The toy box killer. We'll get to him at some point. Maybe. He's, he's fun. So, you know, each of these killers have like a world created um, in their own likeness for them to separate the reality in which the reality in which they create versus the reality of the world around them. And Auschwitz is that kind of setting for a serial killer if we're looking at Mengele that way, because we are kind of exploring him as a serial killer, uh, because that's what he fucking was. <laughs> All right, so when Mengele entered this playground of sick of the sick and sadistic he he quickly set himself apart from the rest of the SS doctors he was considered a breath of fresh air for some of the things he did that tells you a lot uh he was the only camp doctor who who got some action and i don't mean the pussy i mean he 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 went to war ish um he was present in combat during the battles at the Eastern Front and had been awarded the Iron Cross and other decorations. Mengele frequently referred to his combat experience and he quickly developed a special aura in the camp because he had a little battle experience. Like I said, the arrogant son of a bitch just became even more arrogant because he got there and people were like, oh, you went to battle? What was it like? And Mengele was like, you know what? I will tell you everything. But first, first just go get me some coffee. So yeah, he just like started blowing smoke up his own ass 
even more while he was there. Because he was that guy. Certified bag chaser. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The hustler just keeps on hustling, even in hell. So while the other doctors uh, at Auschwitz did what was required of them, Mingala thrived to be the very best like no one ever was. He undertook new projects and extra responsibilities. He was thriving at Auschwitz. I wonder why. His presence was so known to at the camp that many of the of the survivors thought that he was the chief physician at the camp, but actually it was this other dude called Edward With, and um, yeah. Side note: his ending at the Nuremberg trial, not great. He's a little bitch. We'll get to him in part three. Um. Dr. Riss was one of the, the was the one who appointed Mengele as the senior doctor at the women's camp in Birkenau, which was Auschwitz three, which is mostly where we're going to spend our time because there was four camps at Auschwitz. Um, just a few days after Mengele arrived uh, at the camp, he quickly set himself to work at Auschwitz, uh, and because Auschwitz was like in the throes of many typhoid fevers. Because also, you guys don't do. Don't go, don't go looking for pictures of victims of typhus. It's not a great time. Not a great time. I mean, I already did, and I already looked a bunch of pictures of Auschwitz, and I'm not having a great time. So I don't recommend that. Zero stars. Just saying. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So typhus was really thriving in Auschwitz because it it thrives in in places with like a lot of people are packed and you know. I think, I think that's one of the things. I think it has to be like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. We established that in the last part episode that I'm not a scientist. But typhus was all over the place, basically in the women's camp. So Mengele's solution to the problem, he sent 507 Romani and 128 women suspected of having typhus into the gas chamber. Just, just send them away. Send them away. Um, between the dates of uh, between the dates of May twenty fifth and the twenty sixth, he sent approximately six hundred Romani to be gas. In late nineteen forty three, a severe typhus outbreak struck the women's camp, uh, one of which Mengele was in control. There were around two hundred thousand uh, who were half starved women, and about seven thousand of them were seriously ill. There, some of them also sent to the cast. Um, and I quote, he sent one entire Jewish block of 600 women to the gas chamber and clear the block. He had it in the, he had it disinfected from top to bottom. Then he put the bathtubs between this block and the next. And the women from the next block came out to be disinfected and then transferred to the clean block where they were given clean new night shirts. The block, the next block, was cleared in this way and so until all blocks were disinfected end of typhus the awful thing was that he could not put those first 6,600 women somewhere he had to send them to the gas chamber towards the end of 1944 the the camp was hit with a food shortage there was not enough food to meet the 700 calorie per day diet 700 700 and they barely even made it. 
uh, that the 40,000 women of the, for the 40,000 women of camp, uh, of the sea camp. During the following 10 nights, trucks carried off 4,000 women a day to the gas chambers. Horrible sights of this caravan of trucks, their the headlights stabbing the darkness, each bearing a human cargo of 80 women who either filled the air with their screams or sat mute, paralyzed with fear. It was at the railhead station when the new arrivals took their first steps into the into hell on earth, where they met the gap-toothed grin of the devil himself. Mangala developed a reputation of spending his time on the ramp. He developed more of a ruthless approach to the job than his other feather, fellow SS officers. In a quote, by far the chief provider of the gas chamber for the gas chamber and the crematorium was Mangala. Mangala loved to be in the ramp. He loved to do the little pointing thing. But there was more reason to that. And I will get to kind of that in a bit. And I quote, uh, any person who had entered the gates of the KC was was a candidate for death. He, he, he whose destiny had directed him to the left-hand column was transferred by the gas, by the was transformed by the gas chamber into a corpse within an hour. Less fortunate was he who was adversary had singled out for the right hand column. He was a candidate for death, but with the difference of three months. As long as he could endure, he had to submit to all the horrors of the case he had to offer. Till he dropped from utter exhaustion. Most SS doctors consider the selection process to be the most stressful of all the camp duties. Several of the SS will get extremely drunk to carry out their duties at the camp. See, this is very interesting because a lot of serial killers had to also get nearly blacked out drunk in order to do their shit. Dahmer, most of the time, was blacked out drunk when he carried out his shit. Right. So, it's very interesting that they also they know to, what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're trying to dehumanize and desensitize themselves so they can separate themselves for their human connection. So it doesn't, they don't see those people as people. They see them, you know, as cattle or nothing. So it makes it easier for them to just separate them. <sighs> Renner Road and Hans Golning were some of the SS officers who were known to be the doc to get to Dahmer level drunk to do their job. Only two doctors were who were known to carry out this duty without a single drop of alcohol in their system was one Dr. Fritz Klein, who was a hardcore anti-Semite, who, hate, who hated the Jews because one, uh, one guy seduced his fiance when they were undergraduates in college. And the dude was a Jew. Uh, I just don't think he was satisfying his wife, big bro. I don't think so either. So, yeah. And then the other one was Mangala. So to Mangala, the biggest threat. Well, oh, oh, I forgot to I forgot to add something else. I forgot to add something else about Mr. Mr. Klein. Um, he was known to say that he liked the smell of the crematoria. Big freak boy. And now, as I said, the other one was Mengele. To Mengele, the biggest threat to the uh, to the German people's racial superiority was the Jew. He was one quoted as saying, 
there are only two gifted people in the world, Germans and Jews. It's a question of who will be superior. So he took the decision, and the Jews had to die. Many had testified to his well-known manicure appearance, despite being surrounded by such carnage. Some women, many of whom were humiliated by being paraded naked in front of the SS officers in the ramps, found him to be somewhat of a handsome man, even if he had a fucking grab tooth. Uh, Mengele was always smiling or whistling some opera while he was waving his fingers, which is very interesting. Most people also recognize that Mengele was always clean. He always looked extremely clean compared to everything around him that looked filthy and dirty and full of soot. He looked clean. By late August of 1943, Mengele's wife, Irene, traveled from Freiburg in Germany to Auschwitz in Poland to visit Mengele. During her visit, she would make comments about the smell of the place, but Mengele would reply, don't ask me about this. According to Mengele's son, Rolf, it was at this point in the marriage that Irene began to have doubts about her husband. It will be a further six years before the marriage will completely end. Those few SS colleagues who knew Mengele will comment that he was a private about his personal life. They don't remember him ever mentioning the birth of his son in 1944. There were times where Mengele's cool and calm demeanor would fade and he would burst into agitation and excitement. He will go especially fucking crazy for twins. One of these twins was Irene Sloskin. I saw one of the documentaries I, was, I watched about this. She was in it. Girl, let me tell you. That, that girl's her appearance and her demeanor and the way she was speaking said that she went through a lot. And I mean a lot. But I'm like, I applaud you for speaking and continuing telling the story, but girl baby girl you need you you deserve lifetime trips to disney so irene slowskin who was five years old at the time when she arrived at auschwitz with her twin brother renee uh this is a quote from her says i remember the first time i saw him he was wearing green dark green i remember his boots he was probably at the at the level of my eyes black shiny boots he was asking for twins twins he sounded angry i don't know if i understood if it applied to me we knew that whether we we knew that whatever we had to do we better do it fast and right her brother remembers being saved by mengala because he was a twin and i quote at one point toward the end of the war i was scheduled to go to the chambers i knew i was going to lose my life we were being loaded onto the trucks. When this car came up, a convertible, that's when I saw Mengele. We were taken off the truck. He stopped the whole procession because they were going to kill his twins. Another witness, Dr. Martina Pusina, once said, uh, said uh, once I saw him screaming in a loud voice, twins out loud, twins out, twins out, while running alongside a procession of Hungarian Jews as they were streamed off the, the train. Women were walking with the children, going away, and, uh, and he was giving orders that he should stay behind and would be taken care of. So they had a whole lie in the, in the ramp, because in the ramp, 
they were treating them quite nicely to keep them calm. They were being like, excuse me, hi, madam, Can I, let me help you. No, 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 you can leave your stuff here, madam. Go this way, madam. No, sir, this thing. Yeah, they were being extremely polite to them, creating a whole facade. They they painted vans with the logo of the Red Cross, and those were the vans that were taking people to the gas chamber. Uh, you know, such was the 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 illusion that many people even started chasing after the vans because saying, oh no, I have diabetes, I have a stomach ache, because they thought that they were being taken to the camp of the sick and the women, and you know, they, they will have a chance to survive. But no, most of the most of those people will be dead within five hours of arriving. And they didn't know. Gosh. By the way, uh did you know <laughs> that the first Star Wars film, episode four, took Four years of production to complete. Four? Four. And as of 2018, seven known color variations of the lightsaber exist. Can anyone name three besides your red, green, and blue? Yellow? Mm-hmm. Purple? Mm-hmm. Orange? Uh, I would accept white. But uh, orange is, from my knowledge, not in that list. Oh, okay, okay. So then, okay, I'll take it. I take orange back, and then I'll put white, because orange is the color of the ones from Ahsoka. Yes. And then there's also um, black. Yes, for the dark saber, that is correct. Boom, boom, boom. Now back to the story. <laughs> now back to the story. Sometimes Mengala. But take a smoother tone. Several times, Mengala, with his fake smoothing tone, will call out to the women, Madam, take care. Your child will catch a cold. Madam, you're ill uh, and tired after a long journey. Give your child to this lady, and you'll find it later in the children's nursery. You know, again, the, the facade of the, 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 psychopath- lies. the lies, the psychopathic charmer. More than 30 years later, Mengala would defend his time in Auschwitz to his son during their meeting in Brazil. And I quote, uh, he told me he did not invent Auschwitz, that he was not personally responsible for the incidents there. Auschwitz already existed. He wanted to help, but that was very limited. He couldn't help everyone. For instance, on the platforms, he asked me what was he to do when half the dead infected people arrived. It was beyond one's imagination to describe the circumstances that he there there uh, to describe the circumstances there he said his job was to clarify. Wait, wait, let me fix something. I need to get something to figure out how to follow what I'm reading. <clears throat> it was beyond one. It was beyond one's imagination to describe the circumstances there. He said. His job was to clarify only able to work and unable to work. He thinks he saved lives of several thousand people in that way. He didn't order the extermination, and he was not responsible. He said the twins owe their lives to him. He said he never harmed anybody personally. He got very excited at this point. He he asked me if I, his son, believed the lies in the newspaper. They were, Mengala was living in the Lululand. Thriving in the Lululand. No, he was 
he was lying, so he felt better when he fucking passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also like there's some comp there's I don't know, but the people who surround that Mengala, especially his son, towards the whole thing, towards the end, it are very complicated. The whole thing is very complicated with them how they um defended defended and protected him but they were against his actions it's just a whole mess it's just full fucking mess uh mangala was not grading people based on their ableness to work for humanitarian reasons he viewed auschwitz as his human laboratory with a limited supply of material for his research he was so obsessed with finding twins that on days when he was not scheduled to be on the ramp mangala will show up at the ramp he will bargain with other SS officers to make sure they will set twins aside for him. His research began to gain momentum around the springtime of 1944 when the transport of Hungarian Jews arrived. Even though Mengele experiments covered a wide range of studies from bacteriology to bone marrow transplants, their principal focus was unlocking the secrets of creating multiple births with genetically engineered Aryan features, especially to find a way to increase the number of birthing twins, because more twins meant more people, more population, more Aryans. One of the experiments that Mengele was attached to was the sterilization of women. That's, this was a very common uh, experiment in the camp. Even though sterilization experiments were already being carried out at the camp, the purpose of these experiments was to unlock the ineffective and easy way to, clear, to carry out mass sterilization on the so-called inferior races. Colonel Victor Brack, who was the chief administrator of the office of the Reich Chancellery, has suggested to Himmler that instead of killing the Jews, they could be more productive to the war effort by putting a few to work, and as long as they could be also provided a fast and efficient method of birth control, of you know controlling the rate of Jews. Dr. Haas Schumann and his staff were the first to embark on a series of experimentation of experimental castrations by x-ray which provided to be extremely painful to the victims a surviving record indicates that schumann and his staff performed a total of 90 castrations with the x-rays so they were using radiation to sterilize people that's they could have easily easily just taken their uterus out oh no this was this was this was on men oh yeah, you can just the take women, my tally whacker. <laughs> women were subjected to these treatment to these treatments as well. Many women were exposed to massive amounts of radiation, and their ovaries were removed to establish the exact dosage required to sterilize. Mengele's ambition went so far, just uh, <clears throat> went far beyond just finding a method to contain the reproductive capacity of Jews. It was clear that Mengele fully intended for the victims to die, according to the manner of the experiment. Their death served to only push his medical career. Funds for the, his genetic research have been authorized by the Dutch. Oh, fuck. This is another German word. Okay. It, it was uh, authorized by the Deutsche or the German Research Council. I should just stick to the American words. <laughs> no, it's worth funny when I just go with I terrorize the German one and then I'm going to stick to that. <laughs> yeah, let a German get mad in the comment section. 
you're the knowledge language. And I can't do a German accent. And I was watching a video yesterday of how actually, yeah, yesterday of how to do a German accent. Didn't stick. Oh well. You know, you know the German accent that I do all the time? Which one? Uh Baron von Zemo from the show. Uh Captain America. I can't do it right now because I don't feel that's good. Not, but... That's not German though. That's Sokovian. From the from the movie, I'm talking about Zemo from the comics. He's, Wait, German. he's German in the comics. Yeah. Oh well. Listen, I grew up reading books, and now I'm getting into comics, and I'm so behind on all the shit. So don't. I'll forward you a, a YouTube link so you can hear it. Okay. Okay. Captain America. So. Uh, uh, as I said, the 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 German Research Council in August of 1943, it was more clear that it was Professor von der Schuh who secured the grant from the council. Uh, the money was used to construct a special pathology laboratory that Mengele had built in Crematorium Two at Birkenau. The lab made it easy for the victims to be dissected quickly. <clears throat> The lab was equipped with the most modern equipment available. Its red concrete floor, dominated by the dissecting table of polished marble, with several sinks, one of them plumbed with nickel tabs. Mengele required a pathologist for his new lab, and one day Mengele went straight to the railhead and began to order all those who, all those who were doctors to go to one side. About 50 gathered. Mengele asked who had studied at a German university. It had knowledge of pathology. He warned all those stepping to the side, be careful. You must be equal to the task. It is here that we introduced Dr. Miklos Neisley. It was in May of 1944 when a train packed with people arrived at the camp at Auschwitz. Before them stood a young SS officer who was impeccably dressed. He quickly divided them according to sex leaving all the children under 14 with their mothers. In a single file, men, women, and children and the age had to pass before the selection committee. Those who were too sick were placed in vans with painted red crosses. These vans were to the gas chambers. Once Dr. Leesley made himself known to Mengele, he began to question him at great length. Once the questioning was over, Mengele returned to his car and made a, uh, a main and made a hand gesture towards Neasley to join him in the car. He was taken to the camp office. After he arrived at the camp office, a, barred a barber came over and shaved his head and then the rest of his body. Afterwards, he was sent to the showers. They rubbed his head with a calcium chloride solution, which burned his eyes for several minutes. He couldn't, open he couldn't properly open them. He was then given his camp clothes. After all of this, another prisoner pulled up his sleeve, checked the number that was provided for him on his ID card. Then, prick, then the prickling feeling of the needle dancing on his flesh came. And it was with that the Dr. Nik Miklos Neisley no longer existed. And he was known as number A8450. At first, Dr. Neasley thought he was going to be sent to a German province to step in for some rural doctor who was serving in the camp effort or something that, of that sort. He thought this because he was never issued prisoners, a prisoner's burlap sack, but instead he was given a full suit of civilian clothing. Dr. Neasley was later taken to the barracks. 
800, uh, 800 to 1,000 people were cramped into the barracks. Many were unable to completely stretch out in their beds. They slept both lengthways and clockwise. So you have people like crossing each other and stuff. One man's feet on another man's head or neck or chest. Sleep was not easy to come by. Roll call started at 3 in the morning. The guard will come armed with rubber clubs and will force prisoners from their beds. Prisoners were made to stand in rows of five. Those in charge arranged them. The person who were arranging them were the Sonda commanders, who were also Jewish. Um, they were Jews, Jew Jewish prisoners who were selected to be the people who kind of like ran the barracks for the SS. And they were also the ones who were in charge of disposing of the dead. And Meek um, Neasley's uh, job was as a Sondo commander, besides working as um, Mengele's pathologist. So he had he, he had a great time. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so uh, the the guards will come around. They'll start hitting people with over clubs, and then the Sondo commanders will arrange everybody according to how they were. The taller ones were standing in front, the shorter ones in the back. Roll call will begin at 3 in the morning, and it will end at 7 in the morning. If there were any dead in the barracks, they had to be present and accounted for. That means that if you had a dead person sleeping next to you, you and the person, the other person who was alive will have to carry the dead person and stand with, hold them up next to you and have that dead person counted. And this could take days of you doing that until a Sondo commander will be told to come around with the wagons to collect the dead. That's so fucked. Yeah. That would you and you had to bring the body. And once they took the body, they will scratch the name off the number off the list and then you don't have to officially carry the dead anymore. But every time a dead person, there was a dead person, you still have to carry them with you to be counted in roll call. Point period over. And then at seven, I don't know. What, what happened? I don't know why they came with rubber clubs to beat me up out of my sleep. Bro. I would have already been up. You know, you don't got to beat me with a rubber club. You would have been easy. awake the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah, as soon as I'm ready, I'm up. Um, one, once the roll call at seven in the morning was over, the next one that started was the doctors and the other hospital personnel was standing in line to be counted. And Dr. Neasley's book, which we, I just mentioned in the first episode, uh, we met, uh, he mentions the new lab that was built next to the crematorium. Um, well, if, I think it's the new lab. I also think it was kind of like a shed that they used to like test him. Um, because the lab that Mengele had, the lab, the new lab that he built, was was all, all red. It was fucking creepy. The whole place, the floors, the walls, everything was red. The only thing that was white was the marble table, uh, well, dissection table in the middle of the room. At yeah. least he had a, a, you know, aesthetic flair. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, so the, this this room, this annex room that was connected to one of the barracks, uh, what's else uh, looked like a regular tool shed, tool shed, but inside there was a high table as high as a man's head. It was placed uh, and built as an unplanned with unplanned thick boards, 
there was a chair, a box, a dissection instruments in a in a corner, a pail like with for water. And this was the the dissection room, the only one that they had. Uh, I never had to work in such dissective. Ooh, the coffee's kicking. <laughs> I have never had to work <laughs> with such defective instruments as these, or in a room so primitive equipped. That's what Doctor Neasley said. From the location, Doctor Neasley had a clear view of the of the Romani camp. Because they were Catholics, they were allowed to remain in family groups. There were about four thousand five hundred of them. Their job was to police the neighboring Jewish camps and barracks. Within the area of the camp, three categories of experiments were carried out. The first considered consisted of research into the causes of dual birth. The second was the search to discover the biological and pathological causes of the birth of dwarfs and giants. And the third was the study of the causes and treatments of diseases, commonly called dry gangrene of the face. But... <clears throat> Before all of those experiments could begin, Dr. Neasley had to prove himself to Mengele, and he did by performing his first dissection. Yay! No. Also, did you know <laughs> that as of 2020, the Star Wars franchise has grossed worldwide box office revenue of over $10 billion? And yet they gave us a shit like Solo. And um, Rise of Skywalker. Damn. Actually, more Rise of Skywalker. Let me just take Solo back. Solo had Solo had the opportunity to be great, but Rise of Skywalker was just unexcusable. Well, speaking of that, did you know that the Star Wars universe is purposely filled with non-English words and language? Are we that? Are we that paranoid? Of what's coming next? Are you throwing two? Did you know? Facts? It's not paranoid. I want them to. I want them to be distracted, and then I want you to hit them with a bammy whammy. <laughs> um, he extracted all the organs, made notes on all those that looked at normal, and spoke to. Did you know C three PO doesn't have organs? <laughs> There's cables. Uh, uh, with their notes, with their with their approving nods and glances, Doctor Neasley knew he had passed his exam. But this point, Mingala's bizarre experiments had already begun. His first attempt to perfect the ideal German specimen by attempting to change the eye color by injecting different colored dyes into them. Thirty-six children from one barrack in Birkenau were used for the eye experiments. The results were often painful and left many of the kids blind. One of the ones the kids served no further use, they were gas. A witness testified saying that they saw on top of a wooden table samples of eyes, each one having numbered assigned to it. The eyes were from went from pale yellow to bright blue, green, and violet. Another witness says they saw a wall covered with eyes in one of Mengele's labs. They were pinned like butterflies. The eyes were sent to Professor von Verschur in Berlin. Because of the war, one of the main things of Mengele's mind was the populating of this new Aryan world. He was searching for a perfect metaphor for a mass-producing suitable people for the new German territories. Mengele established which attributes and disabilities were inherited genetically. The best way to achieve this was through comparative study 
with one child in each pair used to, as a control. But these comparisons are only valid if the person has a complete history of the subject, which they didn't. Mengele developed his version of this using, uh, of using, let me fix something. So Mengele was trying to let me let me explain this in my own words. So Mengele was trying to do comparative studies. He was trying to use twins in order to like infect one and experiment on one and see how that will compare to the other one. But the problem was that Mengele was just taking anything that looked like twins, even for fraternal and identical twins. But using fraternal twins didn't do anything because they were different people in, in a sense. They were just born at the same time. So he was just doing bullshit science. All of it. Again, like I said, bullshit science. More bullshit science. So Twins who were destined for Mengele's experiment. Wait, hold on, really quick. Go for it. Are you are you a scientist? Are you questioning? Are you questioning certified bag chaser? Are you a scientist? Listen, I've watched about fourteen seasons of Grey's Anatomy. I'm a doctor. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's all you had to say. See, Just like clarification like that. I forgot to mention that last time. I have my doctor's degree because of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I mean, next time, I mean, I've seen how, so I'm like a good, good doctor, but like next time, just say that. Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> uh, twins who were destined for Miguel, for Miguel experiments were placed in Barrack 14 of Camp F in Birkenau. It was also nicknamed the Zoo. Uh, by Mengele's orders, the kids were well-fed and given comfortable beds and hygienic living conditions. All of this was to build up their health for the experiments. The purpose of strengthening them was to prevent infections from entering with the results. So the purpose, they were fattening them up, basically. They were trying to get them healthy. So by the time the experiment started, they weren't sick. They had no sort of sexual diseases or anything because the camp, like I said, it, there was a lot of shit going around. So they wanted to make sure that the kids were nice and ready. Um, because of all of this, because how nice the kids were being treated, they gave Mengala a nickname. They gave, they called Daddy. Mengala, they, what? Daddy. No. <laughs> No, that's 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 reserved exclusively for Daddy Mengele Senior, not for this dude. Oh yeah, my my guy, my bag chaser. Exactly. Only certified hustlers with bag chase credentials can be called Daddy. <laughs> no, they call Uncle. They, they call Mengele Uncle Peppy. Is there a nickname for Peppy? Like you know, mass killer. Uh, a survivor states he, Mingala, brought them chocolates for them and, and the most beautiful clothes. And the girls had ribbons in their hair. One day he shouted uh, at an at a, an attendant because one of the girl's ribbons had been more lower than the other one. And he said to the attendant, how, how did you do it? They're not as I like them. So. Was he a pedophile? No, 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 no. He was just, he, he wanted. He just he liked the way they look. Yes, he wanted to control everything. He wanted to control their looks. He wasn't. Did you see my face though? Yeah, I know. That's the thing. When though. I said I, that. Yeah, I, that's the thing though. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he had like. 
some sort of pedophile feelings i don't know because he never wrote anything like personal anything of his time in auschwitz if they, he wrote something it was a little like scientific notes and doctor's notes and bullshit like that but he never wrote like a diary of of his thoughts and feelings of what was going on during this time so i don't know well he's not here to defend himself so i'm gonna call it better that's fine. I mean, it's it's okay. I th- I kind of think it's possible, but I don't I don't know. Like I I honestly don't know. And basic based on what I've read, and all these months of being like in deep in this eye in this guy's asshole, I don't know. Like I I don't have a definitive answer for that for that question. So so after after the health building phase, the twins were moved to the to the hospital in Camp BF two. B2F, uh, for the in vivo stage. The phase involved experiments performed on the twins while they were alive, sometimes without anesthesia. The transfer of the Jewish children, along with the twin children, adult adult twins, dwarves, and the physically disabled to the hospital began in July of 1944. The rest of the the rest of the steps of this phase involve taking precise measurements of their skulls, ears, noses, and other external features. Mengele employed for this task Dr. Martina Pusizna, a former assistant to the Polish anthropologist Professor Jan Czekanowski at the University of Lowell. Czekanowski performed a method of statistically measuring different external features in terms of racial groups. Again, more fucking races just, oh, you work with that racist dude? Let me let me bring you here, but you're still a prisoner. That's all they were doing. Pazizna had been a member of the Polish underground and had been uh, and because of this, she was sent to Auschwitz. She was, she was basically a rebel. And they sent her there as a prisoner of war. Um for the next six months. All, all the way into the camp was liberated by the Red Army in 1944. Dr. Prusizna measured appro- approximately 250 pair of twins. After that's the measure, not a lot if you think about it. That's not a lot. Um, but the thing is, this also it, it's kind of it's 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 not it's not a great thing to say. But Mengele kind of did so helped because of him. A lot of twins did survived. So a lot of children just survive. So it's 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 it's, it's a catch twenty two. I know exactly what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. But on top of that, did you know the famous boy band NSYNC has also made a brief appearance in Attack no, of the Clones? No, they almost they almost did. But oh, I'm sorry, it does say that. Yeah. Well, what happened was I think they they were going to be either in Attack of the Clones. I think it was Attack of the Clones. They were supposed to be in it, but something happened that they had to pull out. I think they had a concert or some oh, scheduling issues, so they couldn't make it. Thank God. Did you know that the phrase "I have a bad feeling about this" is an utter is uttered in every Star Wars film? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. In the last episode of Ahsoka, uh, be little Jason, uh, little Jason Jarris, uh, said it. Always, you know, Jason Sandula. I don't know his last name. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> so after the measurements, the the twins were taken to the men's hospital, block fifteen, and camp B two F. Once they had arrived, Mengele had the children stripped, and he would examine them for hours. Once the examination was over, the torture began. 
Cruise surgery and other painful tests were performed, often without anesthesia, unnecessary amputations, lumbar punctures, typhus infections, and deliberate wounds were infected to compare how the each twin reacted to them. Many of Mengele's guinea pigs began to die at this stage, many of them from particular experiments in which blood supplies of a different pair of twins were exchanged. So they took the blood supply from twin A and from twin B, and then they exchanged them together. And just to see, just, just to see what will happen. Another survivor who was also subjected to these experiments with her sisters said, each woman was given a blood transfusion from another set of twins so that Mengele could observe the reactions. Each twin, each twin received 359 cc's of blood from a pair of male twins, which brought on a reaction of severe headaches and high fever. Mangala also forced twin sisters and two twin brothers into having sex to see if they could reproduce twins. For this reason, he wouldn't release us to work and try to find a suitable partner for us. When we object to that, such uh, such an experiment was impersonable to us that he will that the we were uh, and he told us that we were prisoners and that we had no say in the matter. Irene Soskin and her brother Rene survived this stage of the experiment. She said, somewhere in my mind, I had gone, I had, somewhere in my mind, I had a good impression. You know, a doctor is a doctor, so he's not going to hurt me. But of course, he did. End quote. All these in vivo experiments only left Mengele with superficial and incomplete information. But it was the final stage that would be the most important one. This, inf this the, the dissection of their bodies and of their organs. The general development could be the compared, could be compared. They could be compared. Mengele's twins, his most precious specimens, had to die. Dr. Naizli said about this in his book, we were under normal circumstances. Uh, can one twin... F uh, sorry. We were under, un we were under on normal circumstances. Can one find twins who, f who die at the same place and at the same time? For twins like everyone else were separated, are separated by life's varying circumstances. One may die at 10 and the other at 50. In Auschwitz camp, however, there were several hundred sets of twins and therefore as many possibilities of dissection. These people were basically in fucking heaven. They had a, they had a way to do whatever they want with these kids and then kill them at their whim just to see instantly what will happen. So... Among the first guinea pigs that Mengele delivered to Dr. Naisley was a pair of two-year-old twins. Dr. Naisley was to perform an autopsy on them. I opened the file and glanced through, the, through it. Very detailed clinical experiments, examinations, accompanied by x-ray descriptions and the artist drawings, indicated from the scientific viewpoint of dif the different aspects of these two little beings. Twinhood. Only pathology report was missing. It was my job to supply it. The twins had to die at the same had died at the same time and were now lying. And we were now lying to describe each other and then the on the big dissection table. It was they who had to who had to or was or whose tiny bodies had to resolve the secret of the reproduction of the race. Mengele killed around 153 children to have dissections done to them. Another allegation says that Mengele had over a hundred children shot in the back of the head for autopsies. Another claim is that Mengele would lure children who were most unwilling from the experimental block to the crematorium 
and any who had them shot on the way. A common method that Mengele favored in killing kids was the injection of chloroform into their head, hearts, coagulating the blood and causing heart failure. Dr. Naisley. According to Dr. Naisley, Mengele once killed 14 Romani twins himself using the injection method. In the workroom next to the in, in dissection room, 14 Romani twins were waiting and crying bitterly. Dr. Mengele didn't say a single word to us, prepared a 10cc and a 5cc syringe from a box he took Epivol and from another box he took chloroform, which was 20cc glass containers, and these and put these on the operating table. After that, the twins were brought in, a 14-year-old girl. Dr. Mengele ordered me to undress the girl and put her head on the dissecting table. Then he injected Epivol into her right arm intravenously. After the child had fallen asleep, he, f he felt for her left ventricle to the heart and injected the 10 cc of chloroform. After which, after a little twitch, the child was dead, whereupon Dr. Mengele had, had her taken into the corpse chamber. In this manner, all 14 children were killed during the night. Did you know <laughs> Star Wars belonged to Disney since 2012? Did you also know that prior, before Disney bought Star Wars, it was actually an independent film? It was one of the most biggest uh, box, uh, box office success of an independent film. Yes. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Did you know that R2-D2's beeps come from a nice little baby? No. Oh. Are they still? Uh, I didn't say that now. Okay. So okay, this this method was noticed by Doctor Naisley with four sets of twins, all under ten years old. These twins had gained Mengele's interest because three of the pairs had different colored eyes. Their eyes and organs were removed and dispatched to Doctor Von Verschur in Berlin. Dr. Naisley would often leave the cause of death empty in the file. One of Mengele's common tricks was to infect twins to see how the illness would affect one while the other was still alive. When the, when the probing would begin once they were, once they were dead, this comparative technique beca became commonplace. One twin would die of natural causes. The other was killed for comparison. On one occasion, two, the two brothers, Reinkenberg, who resembled each other but were not twins, were mistaken for twins when they arrived at Auschwitz by one of Mengele's colleagues. Ephraim Reinkman said that his brother had a beautiful singing voice and that he once sang for the Germans. Mengele became curious to figure out why one twin could sing and the other couldn't. He conducted a cruise surgery on the vocal cords of both of them, impairing their speech. Ephraim regained the use of his vocal cords in 1984. Mengele spotted a hunchback father standing next to his 15-year-old son who had a deformed right foot. He selected them from the camp and gave them their last meals. Dr. Naisley was ordered to examine them and perform dissection on them. Half an hour later, Mengele had them shot and ordered their skeleton to be prepared for boiling their bodies in water so the flesh could be easily stripped from their bodies. Okay. So... In Dr. Naisley's book, um, when this occurs, he he mentions that he he's watching the the, the bodies being 
boiling in the pot. So, you know, it looks like meat stewing. And he ventures out for a second to go do something. And when he comes back to to check on the status of the of the bones and the in the skin, if it peeled off, there was a group of prisoners surrounding the the boiling the the boiling pot and they were eating the the they were eating the meat. They were taking chunks of the meat and eating them. They didn't know what it was. They just saw meat and they just going at it. Did you know <laughs> that David Prowess is banned from every and all events that are associated with Lucasfilm. And if you guys don't know who that is, if I'm not mistaken, he was the act, the suit actor that played Vader. Yeah, why is he? So he was mad that he his voice got swapped over from his to um, James Earl Jones and was shit talking Lucas um, and. George Lucas let this go on and even show up to all the events up until the early 2010s. And then George Lucas was like, you're banned from all events. Because he should talk him, I think, on a panel. You should talk George Lucas. Um, many doctors recall Mengele as a man who had the same amount of compassion for his subjects as a scientist had for laboratory rats. Mengele's obsessive was obsessive with his work. He would at times just randomly appear in the prisoner barracks if he if he was short on human material. Ava Kor, a twin and a survivor, said it wasn't because of his face. It wasn't because his face was terrifying. His face could look very pleasant. But the atmosphere in the barracks before he came and all the preparations by the supervisors was creating the atmosphere of terror and horror that Mengele was coming. So everybody had to stand still. He would, for example, notice on one of the bunk beds that had a twin was dead. He would yell and scream, what happened? How is it possible that this twin died? But no, of course, I understand it today. An experiment had been spoiled, end quote. Mengelad had a permanent supply uh, in the summer of 1944. About 50 young women held in preparation for him in the prisoner's sick block on the women's camp in Birkenau. Many of these women died from blood transfusions from extractions. Mengele was alleged to have subjected the group of Polish nuns to extreme levels of x-ray for research purposes from which they suffered severe burns. He also conducted bone marrow transplants, which results that one victim had to have her right leg amputated from the knee because it got infected. There was a sp She was spared from the gas chamber only because of how close the Red Army was approaching at the time. Mengele allegedly operated on the sex organs of a male prisoner. The purpose was to possibly castrate or sterilize them. Mengele was also also had several women taken to the black wall between blocks 10 and 11 of the main camp and shot. Their breasts were cut and afterwards were so the muscles of the thighs. Those These were kept as colvacation uh, material for experiments in Mengele's hygienic lab. He forced a mother to cover her breasts with tape to see how long the baby could live without food. As the child grew weaker, she mercy killed it after a compassionate nurse gave her some morphine and a syringe. Mangala is said to have stood, who has stood on the on a pregnant on a pregnant woman's belly, until the fetus oh were, were expelled. 
Did you know that <laughs> Boba Fett's first appearance in Star Wars franchise was not the film Empire Strikes Back? Nope. It was the holiday special. Yeah, he was a cartoon. Oh my. <laughs> it is said that Mingo's extreme acts of violence could come from his fits of anger and his uncontrollable temper. One such extreme example is that time that he took a Russian woman's newborn child who was crying on the ramp. He had the baby thrown into a pile of burning corpses. Oh my gosh! Did you know Al Guinness negotiated 2% of the gross box office receipts from Star Wars franchise? Did you know that originally Obi-Wan Kamenobi was supposed to be Japanese? I didn't. Did you uh, did you know that Benicio del Toro was originally going to play the role of Darth Maul? <coughs> what? Yeah. What? Darth Maul was supposed to be Puerto Rican? Exactly. Speaking Spanish. Oh. oh, that's interesting. That would have been very interesting. Okay. Perhaps the most gruesome of all of Mingo's acts was the time he took 300 children and burned them alive in an open fire. The event oh, my was... <laughs> the oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The event was witnessed by several prisoners, including a Russian inmate named Anani Slivoshki Petoko. After a while, a large group, and I quote, after a while, a large group of SS officers arrived on motorcycles, Mengele among them. They drove into a yard they got and got off their motorcycles. Upon arriving, they circled the flames and burned horizontally. We watched to see what would follow. After a while, truck trucks arrived, dump trucks, with children inside them. There were about 10 of these trucks. After they had entered the yard, an officer gave an order, and the trucks backed up to the fire, and they started throwing those children right into the fire, into the pit. The children started to scream. Some of them managed to crawl out of the burning pit. An officer walked around with sticks and pushed them back. Those who managed to... Bane would be... Sorry to cut you off. Bane would be very happy. The fire rises, brother. Some of them them managed to crawl out of the burning pit. But they were poked back with a stick. An officer walked around. Uh-huh. An officer walked around with sticks and pushed and pushed back those who managed to get out. Hose and Mangala were present in giving orders. I was told by the zone commanders that it was difficult to poison the children in the gas chamber. Therefore, they were burned in the pit. End quote. Some inmates who knew Mangala had testified that they never saw him commit an act of violence. They were witness to, corrobor- to corroborate every one of these extraordinary allegations. Because Mangala was never brought to trials, these statements were never were never be te- were never tested under rigorous cross examination. So, still to this day, people think that all of all the shit that Mangala was involved were is like an exaggeration. But because you know he was never brought to trial. There's no like no whatever you say. It, this is in court. This is this is official. This is this is legit. So just 16 months after Mengele arrived in Auschwitz, his work was evaluated by the chief doctor's office. 
This was done in August 19, 1944. His garrison command produced a report saying that Mengele's mental health was outstanding. It also referred to, <laughs> it also referred in glowing reviews to his record of sending people to the gas chambers and his experiments on twins. So Mengele got all a bunch of gold stars and bonuses. Hey, good job um, absolutely scarring people that you left alive and killing kids. You're actually, your mental health... Honestly, I would say is the best out of anybody here. Honestly, like, but I think how would that meeting go? Like, 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 yes, you, I see here the last month you sent, ooh, 20,000 to the gas chamber. Very nice. I mean, he's like, you know, it's, uh, you know, something slight, you know, nothing crazy. Angela, what's your secret? What's your secret? How, how racist are you, boo boo? How racist? Okay, as soon as they even look at me sideways, guess what? They're going sideways into the gas chamber. Guess what number we should think for this month? 32,000. And guys, I just want y'all to know, this joke is just us trying to cope with him stepping on a fucking woman's belly till the baby came out. Who does this sadistic sick shit? And who gives him a gold medal? Oh, yes, he's done very well this month. Yes. Uh, he went on a kill streak last month. Yes. Here's your golden star. He basically got rave reviews for fucking killing people. Like I said, Auschwitz was created for serial killers. This, this place was built for them. <laughs> since all of the humans experimentations that were being done needed to be authorized by Himmler and since Himmler had special interests in racial research it is possible to assume that Mengele's ambitions was bringing him to the attention of the Reich Führer in the closing months of 1944 Mengele began to grow more sullen and despotent his wife Irene remembers that he was becoming increasingly melancholic she decided to pay him another visit in two Auschwitz in the fall of 1944 to Chihirma her first three weeks with Mangala were picture perfect. She was mm, there for three so weeks. She needs to get her mental health check too. These people went. This is my thing. This is my thing. She went there and she never saw anything. She says she saw people getting out of the trains, and then that is all. She never saw really? anything else because she, yeah, she never saw anything else. Nada. I wonder if she had the Stevie Wonder treatment. Selective blindness. Yeah. <laughs> so, she decided to pay him a visit to Auschwitz in the fall of 1944. Uh, her first three weeks with Mengele were picture perfect. They had servants in their house. Like I said, Jehovah's mm. Witnesses were the servants. Um, they spent their days picking berries and going for and going for a swim in the river. It was the same river they had the Jewish ashes, uh, where they were dumping the ashes. Um, uh, her diaries make it known that she was aware of the selections and the trains coming in. Irene was either ignorant or chose to ignore what was going on. In September of 1944, Irene's diaries mentioned a scientific conference in Auschwitz to com commemorate the opening of a new military hospital. The main speaker was Joseph Mengele, and the subject was, and I quote, examples of work in anthropological hereditary biology in concentration camp. Bullshit science. Even though 
I was gonna say just say a bunch of big words and people are like, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. This Mingular dude, he knows what he's talking about. I just making, I just. This is I very just went, good. I just went full Indian. Exactly. We are going to do this. It's very good. Instead of German, we do Indian. It's yes. fine. It's whatever. It's funny. Even though in her diaries entries, it will seem that things were going great. She could tell that Mangala was growing depressed with each passing day. Irene was sent to leave Auschwitz on September 11th. But before she could leave, she she contracted the fever. Oh, wait. I'm so sorry. Did you say uh, September 11th or September, November 11th? She was supposed to leave tomorrow. So basically today, Irene... But like 70, 80, or whatever, 90, or a couple years, 100 years ago, she was in Auschwitz right now. Do you remember the 11th of September? Not, not 2001, <laughs> though. Or. Not 2001, but 1944. In the camp, Auschwitz. The hoe was leaving. After not doing anything, she leave because she, she got had... sick. It's probably from all that stuff. Her husband was a psychotic fuck. All right, all right, sorry. So, like I said, she contracted diphtheria, and her symptoms complicated. She was shuffled from one from one hospital to another hospital as the air raids warning began to sound. The end was approaching Auschwitz. On September 17th, Irene was moved to a smaller hospital, which was considered safe in the event of further bombing raids. By October 7th, the, ra- the sirens began again. This time, they were accompanied by anti-aircraft and artillery. On October 13th, another swarm of Allied planes flew by and more bombs fell on the camp. Even though Auschwitz had more had not suffered any significant damage, the, psych- the physiological damage was done. The message was loud and clear. The Germany was losing the war. The Mengelas left Auschwitz on October 30th. Joseph received uh, special permission to leave. They arrived in Gunzburg on November 1st. Mengele visited his family for a day and then proceeded to go back to Freiburg, where he saw his eight-month-old son, Ralph, for the first time. He stayed a week by, by November 6th. He was on his way back to Auschwitz. The bombing continued to follow Irene to Freiburg. Heavily allied bombing forced her and Rolf to seek refugee in the Mengele family, with the Mengele family in Ginsburg for the remainder of the war. Upon Mengele's return to Auschwitz, he became increasingly depressed and anxious over how the Nazis were losing the war. Near the end of 1944, he could have been found pacing in the SS office in silence. Despite all of this, he continued his research, he was recorded as having taken 16 female dwarfs from the hospital camp to the women's camp on December 5th and experimented on them. Five survived, but it was assumed that the remaining 11 died as a result of the experiments. Megala began to move quickly to cover up the facts that the experiments had taken place because they were still classified as secret Reich material. He arrived one day at the Jewish doctor's quarters for the last time to announce that Auschwitz would be destroyed and ordered that everything could be moved would be packed up. Even the marble dissecting table was removed and replaced with concrete slabs. One of the last inmates to ever see Mengele was Mark Berkowitz. Actually, let me let me explain something else before I go to this blessed bit. So, 
the Nazis were go- were panicking, trying to hide evidence of what was going on in Auschwitz. They destroyed two of the crematoriums. Uh, a third one was destroyed by the Jewish prisoners who, for a very long time, were collecting powder uh, in order to make a bomb to blow up a crematorium. So they succeeded at doing, doing that. And then everything else, files, uh, pictures, uh, uh, skulls, all of that shit was either being shipped away into boxes or being destroyed. They were quickly hiding evidence and just destroying evidence mostly because, you know, again, they knew the shit was going to hit the fan and it was going to hit the fan really, really fucking hard. So continue. Uh, one of the last inmates to see Mengele was Marx Berkowitz, a 12-year-old who Mengele had a special interest in because the boy had Aryan features. This is the part that I uh, it kind of raised my is this dude pedo fag. So I kind of I see your point, but you, you, you yeah. Uh, Berkowitz is said to have attended Mengele to have attended Mengele personally, attended to his meals, cleaned his special kitchen, even cleaned his boots. By Christmas Eve. Snow had begun to fall in the camp. Merkowitz was in the washroom when Megala walked in. Pausing at the door, he called out to the boy. He put his hands on the boy's head and said, Adieu, you are a good boy. And with that, Megala was gone. On the night of January 17th, Megala left Auschwitz behind him. He took with him what records he could from his experiments on twins, cripples, and dwarves. The SS had already begun had already been given orders to destroy the sickness reports, temperature charts, and all other evidence of experiments. They blew up all they blew up the crematoriums and began to shoot prisoners who were who were too feeble to walk to march. With the sounds of the Red Army gunfire echoing in the distance, Joseph Megala began to run, and he will never stop running. And with that, we end part two, and we shall continue the story in part three with Mengele's time on the running Europe until the moment he boards the boat to South America. Dun, dun, dun. So, how was this? How was this journey for you? Uh, well, besides my back being fucked, this episode was actually really good. It just had a lot of... Um, hold on one second. Oh. It had a lot of messed up stuff. Um, you know, one thing I... Besides it being fucked up in general, babies and kids and mothers and that's like a big no for me. And he just he touched every every yeah. part of it. And that's the thing. I I honestly I feel like when it comes to the subject of talking about Auschwitz, which I also should have done this at the beginning of the episode. Yes, it is horrible, and you're going to be hearing a lot of horrendous shit. But I feel if we don't talk about that, if we don't talk about it how it's supposed to be talked about then we're not gonna learn anything we're not gonna we're not gonna avoid the same shit from happening all over again so and it doesn't leave the same impact because some people you know to this day still make jokes um about what happened and it's not okay like obviously like we made jokes but not about that we had to like the humor we have to like the situation a little bit it gets a little tense yeah exactly and but we would never never ever joke about that and i've still heard people been like oh i'd rather be in auschwitz or shit like that and i'm like dude you can't even pass fucking college course no you would not want to be in auschwitz 
So, but yeah, um, guys, we have more exciting things coming with Mr. Mingle, and I hope you guys are having fun with these. We're still, like we're we still, are. I don't know how long we may be entangled with Jojo Mengi. Yeah, I was, um, you know, next episode is actually going to be about his certified bag chaser fine flame. Well, the dash shows um, up again in the second, in the third episode. Beating his son about not being a bag chaser. Um, but yeah, we guys hope you really enjoyed this. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, of course, you know, there's a little bit of trauma that comes with every episode like this. Um, we are actually going to be recording. You know, me and Jose have found a better recording schedule. That's why you'll be getting episodes more consistently. Um, and next episode, you know, hopefully my back is not shot and I can make it up the stairs. Uh, to get on my recording setup because right now I'm it's on my laptop really and my headphones, right now, but not gonna lie. Oh, it's because I took I took my over the ears instead of my earbuds, mm-hmm. and they have better mics yeah. on them. Because <clears throat> last time you sounded kind of like on the underwater a little bit. Yeah. Oh, really? I might need to adjust my microphone. Yeah, this settings. one sounds a lot better. Oh, then I might just use these in general. These okay, are comfortable. Yeah. But yeah, you guys, thank you for listening. You you may follow us on on the socials. We all of them. All of them. Uh, I think I think I might open a Kofi so people can donate money so I can buy more research books. Yeah, and if you like coffee, then donate to well, us. Well, yeah, yeah. If you like coffee, just donate money to us so I can buy more books and traumatize you guys. Cause, cause. I have a I have a possible surprise for Halloween. No, we'll, we'll surprise them. No, 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 them no, 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 well, you'll have, you'll have to tell me once this call is not being recorded because I don't want them. Maybe to know. I think I might be. A, I, I think I, I think I might keep that one to myself just a surprise for you. Okay, if it's Dahmer, it's I'm not, not Dahmer. I'm not gonna touch Dahmer. I don't want to touch Dahmer. No, no, no. Okay, no. Well, you guys, thank you for following us, and we love you. Merry Christmas. Bye. Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, Passover, uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Halloween, uh, Year of the Rat, John Kapoor, <laughs> um, Ramadan. Am I missing something else? Juneteenth. Uh, no, I think you. I think you're pretty inclusive there. Pride Month, Black History hey. Month. Oh, I could include the Puerto Ricans, but that's too much already. Okay, so yeah. Uh, goodbye, guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.